Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. And Gordy, it's been a minute, but it's good to have you back on this afternoon, man. How you doing? You with us, Chris? Uh, looks like we got reconnected with Chris Gordy. So, Chris, man, you didn't have to hang up on us so quickly, man. You could have just stuck it out for a little bit. I know. Well, you know, I know you're you being John Neighbors. You don't like fun. You know, you don't like uh, <laughs> beach balls and baseball games and, you know, fun things like cotton candy and puppies. So I was uh, I was like, let me uh, let me get out of here. I know John Neighbors hates fun things. Yeah, just, just throw all the cotton candy and the puppies and the beach balls in a barn and light it on fire because that's just uh, that's exactly how I'm feeling, man. So, uh, but Gordy, I know that you know we've we've talked some baseball and we'll get to some football and even some basketball talk as well. But uh, just uh, what have you made of the College World Series, man? I know you've been paying attention to it a lot and and uh, seeing some of these great games that have been going down to the wire each and every one. TCU's up six one in the bottom of the fifth on Oral Roberts. I don't know if that'll come down to it, but. Wouldn't be surprised. It's been a great College World Series, though, just for if you're a if you're a baseball fan in general. Yeah, it really has been. And and what's so fun is, you know, I was talking with a, a buddy of mine who's a big LSU fan. He was saying, you know, he's like some of these TV broadcasts are just, you know, it's kind of ridiculous because they're, you know, they're they're telling us all about fall schemes, and you know, we're LSU fans. We know all about schemes, and we know about Dylan Cruz, and you know, I feel like they're they're over explaining some of this stuff. And I said, dude, take a step back. I said the majority of people that are watching the College World Series across the country have barely watched any college college baseball this year. So they're being introduced to a lot of these guys for the first time. Uh, you're also starting to get some people out of the woodwork, you know, maybe some Nationals and Pirates fans and people who own you know, some of the top picks in the upcoming MLB draft that are tuning in to say, hey, our team might take Paul Keith or might take uh, Dylan Cruz or Chase Billander or one of these guys that's playing. And so – you get on just a lot of casuals that are tuning in. And, look, if you don't have any rooting interest in this College World Series, you've been entertained, man. I mean, these games have been outstanding. Some, a lot of one games, a lot of games where teams have rallied late. Um, you know, and, and even as late as last night, Wake Forest having a rally late against LSU and pulling out of the win. So, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been great. The sport's been, uh, you know, it, it's been a treat to watch these games because we've had some blowouts in Omaha in the past, but, uh, if you're just a college baseball fan, all these games have been spectacular. When it comes to any kind of draft, it's more about team needs. And with the MLB draft coming up, you mentioned two of those great players for LSU, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens. Who's the better prospect there? Well, to me, Skeens is most pro-ready. Like, he, he could literally, you know, I think the Texas Rangers have the seventh pick, and they're actually, it turns out they're actually good this year, and, uh, you know, actually looking like they're going to make the playoffs. Like, if the Rangers just really wanted to be ballsy, they could take Skeens at seven if he were to fall to them and, you know, and literally call him up September and, and have him pitch a playoff game for them. Like, that's how pro-ready I think Paul Skeens is. Dylan Cruz is going to be – he's just one of those guys where he'll be one of your, you know, outfielders for the next eight to ten years. Uh, probably get – you know, you, you wouldn't start him immediately. He'll go through the farm system and all that kind of stuff. But – I think within one to two years, he's up and he's ready to go. Um, you know, was the best hitter in college baseball this year. Five-tool guy, has everything you'd want. So, it's really about team need and stuff. So, but to me, like, the, the tough part that comes, like, I saw one mock draft that still has, has a high school outfielder going number one overall to the Nationals or, or, or to the Pirates. I'm going, like, what, what's the deal here? Like, why, in what world 
are we living in where a high school kid, you would take him over a Dylan Cruz or, or a Paul Skeens or, or somebody like that. And it's all about slot value, and it's all about money. And, you know, come to find out Dylan Cruz is a Scott Boris guy. So because he has Scott Boris, um, you know, some teams are going to look at him and go, oh, we're going to have to pay him a ton. So maybe let's go cheap here, and then we'll save a little money for the back end, for the – you know, for one of our high picks in the second round and all that kind of stuff. So baseball gets kind of weird in that realm. But in my mind, it's just you've you got to be nuts to pass on, on a, such an elite talent. And the good thing is, guys, we've seen in recent years, we're seeing more and more college guys go high. And that's good. I mean, the high school kids, nothing against them. It's just they're so unproven. And, you know, unless the kid is just screams, oh, my God, this kid is a once-in-a-generational talent, to me, I would defer to some of the college guys. Now, one fear with that is the workload. You know, some of the guys, some of these pitchers, you know, the workload. I remember Mark Appel coming out of Stanford. The Astros took him, and his arm was just never right uh, because of the workload, how many pitches he threw at Stanford. But even a, Paul, a guy like Paul Skeens, he really didn't – he wasn't taxed a whole lot at Air Force last year. And even at LSU this year, he's thrown the most pitches he's ever thrown. But, man, he's – He's been pretty – I mean, he's in such great shape. Like, he hasn't had any concerns or arm issues or anything like that. So, um, yeah, again, to me, it's, it's more important that, uh, you know, some of these college guys get drafted and, and have a chance. And like I said, we're starting to see more of that. And it's good for the sport. It's good for the SEC. Like, David Horn, you know, is going to – the more guys that he brings to Arkansas and gets drafted, um, you know, the more guys you're going to get big prospects that are going to forego the MLB draft to come play three years of college. Now, Gordy, I know uh, you're obviously watching college baseball, but also know a lot about Major League Baseball and covering the Astros down there in Houston and everything. But there, there's been a lot of talk about these pitchers and some of the pitch counts that they've been on in college, especially in postseason. You mentioned the Stanford guy. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, Skeens, whoever it may be. And people, not everybody, but some people really freak out, say it's awful, it's terrible, uh, you're killing their arm and everything. Do you think, like, that's maybe something that's overblown a little bit? Because it seems like they're fine. The coaches are fine with it. And maybe with modern science, it, the recovery is a lot easier and a lot quicker. I'm not totally sure, but do you feel like that's maybe an overblown thing of the amount of pitches that a lot of these pitchers throw in college or in high school or whatever it may be? Yeah, it's absolutely overblown. It's it's uh, pearl clutchers like Keith Law that freak out. Like, he's going he's gonna to make this kid lose his arm. And it's, it, look, I get why there's a concern. You know, there were, it was a concern with Steven Strasburg back when he was coming out of San Diego State, he was throwing in the hundreds every time out. And, you know, look what happened with his career. And it looks like his career may, may get cut short, um, you know, even a story of a career that he's had because of arm issues. Um, it, it, I understand why you would be concerned, but, God, go look at what some of the things Nolan Ryan did just, you know, 40 years ago. And, and what, I mean, there were guys who throw 130, 30 pitches and go drink a beer and smoke a cigarette before between innings. Like, I don't know why we baby guys still, you know, it's like this unwritten thing in major league baseball now and really across college too. It's like, once you hit a hundred pitches, everybody starts sweating. Oh my God, we got to go get them. We can't keep this guy out here. It's like, well, how does he feel? You know what I mean? What, what is with, with all the doctors and all the trainers and everything we have, all the resources we have, the analytics and all that. Like, I think we can be smart about this and use our brains and go, if the guy is, struggling to, you know, his velocity's down, he's struggling to get over the plate. Yeah, let's go get him, let's pull him. But, man, it, it was just crazy to see that a week ago when Steens hit, I think, 120 uh, in the Super Regional against Kentucky. And then, you know, you've had a couple other guys at other schools getting to the 110s or 120. It's like, oh, my God, go get him. 
why? Does the kid feel all right? Is his arm okay? Then, then let's ride it. Um, yeah, it's amazing when you go back and look at just 34 years, 30, 40 years ago in MLB, how many pitchers would go nine innings and throw a complete game. These days in Major League Baseball, it's a headline if a guy pitches a complete game. Oh, my gosh, can you believe he went nine innings? Nolan Ryan's like, you know how many nine-inning games I threw in my career? So it's kind of uh, funny to look back on. Of the College World Series this year, the top two seeds, Wake Forest, Florida, who have you been more impressed by? Uh, Wake Forest was impressive last night. Uh, their pitching, they stymied LSU's back, was, was pretty darn impressive. Now, look, we can get into the, the whole plate umpire I thought was god-awful. Uh, you know, I, look, if you're going to call a game a certain way, you have to call it a certain way the entire game. What killed me was the first five innings of the game on, on Monday night, it was a lot of boy for LSU who – you know, was decent all year, but, man, he gave up a lot of runs. You know, would have some strikeouts here and there. But he was the strikeout king on Monday night. I mean, he was he was striking out every Wake Forest hitter, and it's because the, the strike zone was so expanded. I mean, he was throwing, you know, borderline pitches that were getting called strikes. And it was like, okay, well, if this is how it's going to be called, this is how it's going to be called. And suddenly in the sixth inning, when Ty Floyd took the, the mound, the, the strike zone went from the side of a – went from the size of a huge fishing net to about the size of a grapefruit. And every pitch that Ty Floyd threw that looked like it was right over the plate, ball, ball, <laughs> ball, suddenly he walks the bases loaded, and they're in trouble. they got to go get him, and suddenly that's when Wake Forest takes the, takes the lead. So I was a little little perturbed by that. Look, if you want to call a small zone, fine. If you want to call a large strike zone, fine. But be consistent with it. Call it like that the entire game. You can't change it up mid-game, and, and it changes everybody's approach. But Kudos to Wake Forest, man. They, they found a way to come up with a big hit late in that game, bottom of the eighth, take the lead. And I, I can't put more emphasis on how big of a win that was for them because they're now in the driver's seat where LSU now has to play their way out of the loser's bracket with Tennessee. This is a monster game tonight because LSU, who's the preseason number one team for so much of the year, um, you know, they're, they're facing elimination tonight. Like, going home, facing the who's been so good for them all year. So, it's a, it's a big game, but but even if LSU survives and wins this, just to get to the championship series. So I, I don't like LSU's chances to do it. Obviously, they've got the offensive firepower where they can do it. But, man, you know, riding all year long going, well, we've got Paul Steens and a bunch of question marks behind him. Uh, you, it's unfortunate. You can't bring Paul Steens back this quick. Uh, the earliest they can get him is on four days rest on Thursday. So, um, they're going to have to do it without schemes, and they're going to have to do it with their bats. But, man, Wake Forest, just kudos to them. Their pitching was so strong on Monday night. To go with that electric offense that has put up all the home runs all season long, uh, Wake Forest certainly looked like the team to beat the name. We're speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 in Houston, as well as the Locked on SEC podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. So, Gordy, I know upcoming, too, is the NBA draft. And, of course, people here in Arkansas are interested to see where some of their players are going to go. But just uh, what's your level of interest in the NBA draft and uh, maybe some of the thoughts that you have heading into it and the storylines and the drama surrounding it? Yeah, we'll, we'll actually be our, our radio station in Houston. We're the flagship of the Rockets. So we'll be doing a, a Rockets draft show on, a, on Thursday night. From They're going to have a big draft party we'll be a part of. They'll have some players out there. Um, it's kind of interesting, guys. Like, a lot of people think, like, if you look at all the mock drafts, the Rockets ended up with the fourth pick. They were hoping to get top three because there is kind of a consensus three with Victor Webb and Yama going one. 
Uh, and then it's kind of divided between Brandon Miller from Alabama and, and Scoot Henderson uh, as a number two or number three guy. But the Rockets just missed out on one of those top three guys. But, you know, some of the mock drafts haven't taken this kid, Eamon Thompson from the overtime elite, um, you know, league. And it's kind of weird. It's not G League, but it's not college. It's like this weird independent league. But uh, that's who they have projected. But I was told this week, don't be surprised. The Rockets really like Cam Whitmore, who's the forward from uh, Villanova, who just played his, you know, his freshman year. And the other name, it's kind of funny, I'm all with you guys, that I was told that the Rockets absolutely love is Anthony Black. And that they would not, don't be shocked if they take Anthony fourth overall on Thursday night. It's a little high compared to, you know, where he's falling in some of the mock drafts, but um, they really like him. And, and I don't know if he would come in and start immediately or just be a rotational guard or what, but um, that's what I heard, that's what I'm hearing this week. So don't be surprised if uh, they take the Arkansas guy. And remember, you know, last year the Rockets had three first-round picks. They went all SEC. They took Jabari Smith out of Auburn. They took Tari Easton out of LSU. And then they went Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky. So, clearly their scouting department has their eyes on SEC guys. So, wouldn't be shocked if an Arkansas guy ends up in Houston. With the Rockets putting together a young roster, and they are one of those teams that's kind of in that rebuilding mode where a lot of their players are really young. They have a new head coach in Ime Udoka. With the fourth overall pick, they also have pick 20. What are some of the biggest team needs for them? Uh, I mean, really, they just need players. I mean, I don't know if they can be to a point where they're looking at certain positions and all that. Just keep in mind, they've got some of the, like, their books clear up after uh, or this offseason. So they're going to have a ton of cap space and a ton of money to spend. And so when you look at free agency, some of the guys that have been rumored, Dylan Brooks from Memphis, uh, Brooke Lopez from Milwaukee, uh, Fred Van Vliet from Toronto, like they, they can spend some money and go get one of these big-name prize free agents. I'd at least lob a call to Draymond Green. I don't know if he would come, but um, they're going to have some money to spend. And so it's kind of interesting. I think they kind of have a uh, – they're in a position where they can just go best player available at 4-20 and 20 and just add more youth to this roster, but they got to combine it with some veterans because – it's been basically like watching an AAU team the last two years. They're just not good. It's like a bunch of guys that are all just raw and super talented, but they're all like 19 and 20 years old. Like none of them can even buy alcohol. Like that's the crazy part of watching the Rockets. So, um, yeah, I just think they want to add as much talent as possible. I've seen uh, uh, is it Jet, the, uh, the guard from uh, Michigan. I've seen him projected to go 20th overall. It's, there's been a bunch of different names in there, but – it's crazy, guys. If you look at the end of the mock draft, like how many guys are either coming from like the G League or they're all just freshmen out of uh, out of uh, out of college? There's not a lot of like you know. It's all of the days that we used to see a bunch of you know soft. It's just those guys are not highly thought of anymore. They don't even go in the first round. So uh, we'll be interested to see what happens on Thursday night. Going through that list of free agents, there's a lot of talk that James Harden could possibly return to the Rockets. So your thoughts on James Harden and his time there with the Rockets before and the possibility of him coming back, would that be a fit? Yeah, it's been talked about. He, he left on good terms with ownership, and, you know, despite him demanding the trade. They, uh, the GM did say the door's always open if he ever wants to come back. And for James, where he's at in his career, you know, approaching his mid-30s, like you could view it as, look, he left Houston trying to chase the championship. He went to Brooklyn. He went to Philly. It didn't work out. 
he could do a thing where he just resigns himself. You know what? I'm never going to win a title. But let me go back home to Houston. His mom still lives here. He's got several business ventures here. He's got a restaurant he owns here. He's got so many ties back to Houston. If he came in the, to the Rockets, and granted, they have to come hat in hand and say, look, I realize I made a mistake. I'd love to come back to Houston and teach these young guys. And let's build something. I, you know, I think if we if things click, we can make the playoffs this year. Like, if he did that, I think fans would get on board with it. Shoot, I've still got my hardened Rockets jersey in my closet. I'll pull out and put on. I just don't think it's doable. boy. And last I heard uh, as of yesterday is he's most likely going to stay in Philly and they'll, they'll figure things out there. So, look, we'd love to have him. I know people love to crap on him and, oh, he stinks in the playoffs and all this. It's so funny. We forget he dropped 40 points in game one and, and game four of their, of their last playoff series, but it's all about, oh, but what did he do in game six? I'm just like, do we do that with anybody else? Like, is there any other NBA player we go, yeah, I know you went off in game one and game three and game four, but what you do in game six? Gosh, like, it's so weird how Harden is the one to get criticized of all the players in the NBA, but for some reason he's a, he's a whipping boy for a lot of folks. Hey, we just got about a minute, Gordy. Uh, SEC Media Days, I know you're going to be there. I know I'm going to be there. What do you think is the, the biggest storyline heading into Nashville next month? Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about the, uh, you know, obviously the expansion. In Texas and Oklahoma aren't here yet, but I think there's still going to be a lot of people talking about that. To me, the biggest storyline across the conference is the Alabama quarterback. I mean, for a team that's so loaded and talented like Alabama, they, they have a weakness right now. We don't know who the quarterback is for the first time in like a decade. So uh, people are going to be jumping on Georgia and Bama still to, to win the SEC East and SEC West in the final year of the division. But uh, to me, Alabama's got a lot of question marks, man. And uh, I've seen some people saying LSU will beat Alabama again. Arkansas should beat Alabama. So uh, Nick Saban and Bama, they might be the underdogs this year. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that'll uh, go over well there at Media Days, and I'm sure that will uh, go uh, perfectly according to plan. But, hey, but, hey, listen, Gordy, we appreciate you joining us and uh, appreciate you giving us that tidbit on uh, the Rockets because uh, I just went on the Bet Saracen app, and they have a special going on right now for plus 2,000 for Anthony Black to be a top-five pick. So because of that, I, yeah, I jumped on it, and I got in on it. And uh, if I, it ends up being right, I'm going to give you credit. But if it ends up being wrong, I'm going to blame you. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. But it should be a lot of fun. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. As always, Gordy, we appreciate you joining us, man. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch up with you later down the road. Yeah, thanks, guys. Don't give me credit. Give me a cut, John.